God, we ask right now that you will bless these, yeah. your waiting congregation. Yeah. Allow us to give the words that you have given to us, yeah. where we talk about withholding nothing. Yeah. Where it's a hard thing to withhold. But we withhold, Father, from you. So now we're asking, oh God, that you will allow us to show how we can hold back nothing. Hold withholding nothing. Let the words of my mouth and the words of the mouth of Pastor I be acceptable in thy sight. Oh Lord, you are the strength. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Yes, yes. I surrender all to you. Everything I give to you. Withholding nothing. I know we cut out the music, but sometimes oh, it's good to just yeah. commune with God without the music. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. We're in worship. Withholding nothing. Amen. I had to do those words of that song by way of the Tao because we are to surrender all. Everything we are to give to him. And the most important part of that song is that it says we're withholding nothing. Also he says that withholding nothing which means holding back on God. He says we're going to give ourselves away. Just so you can use me. How many of you yeah. want God to use you? Amen, amen. Like never before. Anybody in here Jesus. want God to Jesus. use me? Yeah. I don't know about you, but I can tell you I want him to use me. And I know that that's a loaded uh, statement. Amen. Because God will have you work in ways that you never dreamed yeah. possible. Yeah. That's the yeah. true pastors yeah. here in this he will have you surrendering all everything we give to him and, and the most important part will be withholding nothing from God but we know that we can talk about giving ourselves away from Fred we can talk about it as an easy thing but well, so tell, let me tell you I know it's not easy at all that we can go through this life and, and try to surrender totally ourselves. This It's not all that easy, is it, Sister Kelly? It's not that easy. But here in the word, we see where he says in the New Living Translation Version, for the Lord, our God, is our sun and shield. Then it says, he gives us grace and glory. Mm -hmm. The NIV says, 
favor and honor. Is yes, what he's talking thank about. you, Lord. Anybody need some favor? Oh, Anybody need some grace? Oh, all right. Some glory? Raising my hand because I know what I need. Oh, yes. And as much as I can get, the much as much as I can receive, I will accept and take from God Almighty. And the scripture says the Lord will withhold no good thing. From those who do what is right. Y'all know what doing what is right is. And so when we talk about righteousness in front of God, he says if we are righteous, he will not withhold any good thing from us. Finally, in part of the scripture says, O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. In other words, there will be some joy when we live righteous lives. Amen. When we live righteously and we trust God and give ourselves away to him holding back on nothing, we can expect to see God's hand of presence upon us. Amen. We can see God's hand of protection upon us. We can see God's promise of good things. And then finally, God's provision of right. So this morning, we are still in our hard, we can do hard things series. And we believe that the Lord wants us to talk to you from the subject withholding nothing. It's getting near tax time. And I know yes. that there are some people who are concerned about their withholding out of their paychecks. <laughs> Am I right about it? I'm trying to make sure I'm in the right house. I know we're on a spiritual high, but when we start thinking about what the IRS is talking and, and how much money they've taken out of our checks over the last year, we get a little bit concerned. Some of us are retired and we're still concerned. Some of us are working every day and we're concerned because we have that old adage that has we grown up with that there's two things that's serious to us. Death and taxes. Hallelujah. Somebody with Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So so we consider this old adage and we, we look at how we are withholding from our paychecks in order to make sure that we pay the right amount of tax money or we're able to get the right amount of money back from refund or from some that are in between who don't get anything but they withhold the right amount. Anybody in that shoe today? I'm going to leave that alone. Because we don't want to pay more taxes than what we have to. You begin to ask yourself before filing, did they take out enough money out of my check? Or did they take too much? Wow. I know you're asking a question. I'm just putting it out there for you today. See, because we all go through this around a few more days from now, April 15th, unless you file extensions, and then you might get to October 15th. Yeah. Amen. Wow. So what is the withholding? What? Holding nothing. 
Bless the Lord for withholding nothing from our God. I just want to stand before you and talk a little bit with you on this 84th Psalm that Pastor Keith read and I read. Uh, the last two verses of this beautiful uh, song. But often when we take a look at the Psalms, we're not always sure as to what the writers are talking about or what they are reflecting on. And so I want us to try, to try to take a deeper dive into this particular Psalm. The first thing that I want you to notice is that the psalm is not written by David. We know David wrote so many of those psalms. David was a poet and he had many gifts and talents and uh, he could do a lot of things including write all of these songs. But this one was by the sons of Korah. You may be saying to yourself, well, who are the sons of Korah. Well, I came with an answer for you this morning that I might educate you just a little bit more. And uh, when you read some of these Psalms that you will come to understand just who they are and more importantly, what their history is. You see, Korah, Korah was the grandson of a man named Kohath. Kohath was a part of the Levitical line of priests. All right, I want y'all to stay with me this morning. During the journey through the wilderness, the Kohaths, okay, those whose name was Kohath and connected to Kohath became the Kohathites. Amen, you all know about the Gergesites and the Hittites and the Amorites, and you've heard the Bible speak of all of them. Well, these Kohites were people who were responsible for the care of the sanctuary, all right, somebody. They took care of the ark, Pastor Keith. They took care of the table, the lampstands, the Altars, the articles that were used for ministering. Uh, they took care of the curtain and everything else that was related to their use. Now remember, when they were in the wilderness, the, the temple didn't stay in one place. But it moved right from place to place until they could get to the promised land. Ah, so, so, so as the temple moved from place to place, these Kohathites were not allowed to move these articles on a cart with some wheels, but rather they had to carry all of these articles on their shoulders. And as they carried them on their soldiers, there was a caveat. They were not allowed to touch the articles. Somebody said, now tell me how does that work? Well, what would happen is that the priests would actually wrap these articles up in a material so that they couldn't touch 
the articles on the inside. Ah, because if they did, they would die. Sounds like a harsh penalty, amen, somebody. But that was what the Bible taught. And just like we do sometimes, you don't have to raise your hand, but sometimes when uh, things begin uh, uh, to happen to us, as they did the the Kohathites, uh, they began to covet the role of the priest who could roll their stuff when they had to carry their stuff. Y'all, is anybody following me? And sometimes we get upset when we see one group doing it the easy way, but we got to do it the hard way. All right, I, I, I knew it. I knew y'all would get it. Well, well, Korah was a part of this group of Kohathites uh, who thought it was be a bright idea to gather about 250 men together and they challenged, they, they challenged uh, the right of Moses and Aaron to be priests. Oh my God. See, 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 sometimes we don't even know the tree we barking up, amen, somebody. Uh, and, and so Moses heard what they had to say. He went to God about it. He gathered the men all around, and God showed up in the midst. Of, and what happened to the rebels is that the earth opened up, swallowed them alive, closed back up. And that's from Numbers, chapter number 16. Many scholars believe that the sons of Korah, the man who started the rebellion, was too young to participate and understand what was happening with their father and his sinful ways, and so God spared his sons. They are the sons of Korah. And can I tell you all that the Korahites became the doorkeepers and the custodians of the tabernacle. And as time moved on and, and went on, the these sons of Korah, God had a way of connecting them to King David. King David was a master musician. And the sons of Korah became great leaders and music uh, and, and musicians in the orchestra in the tabernacle. Y'all following me? So because David was this phenomenal musician, remember, remember when we think about David, David was able to soothe the tormenting spirit whenever it came upon Saul. So he had a gift for organizing these men to sing and to play, thus they have a role in the service of the Lord. If we look closely at the, at the history, we will find that the sons of Korah wrote 11 songs of the 150 songs that we have recorded in our Bible. But what they did most importantly was that they wrote to express their gratitude and humility to an almighty and majestic God. And when you read those songs that the sons of Korah wrote, you can hear the deep devotion 
and the longing for God that flows through their heart, withholding nothing. And just a side note for you refugees in the house this morning, our theme scripture that we use uh, from Psalms 46 and 1 was penned by the sons of Korah. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Anybody agree with that this morning? Amen, amen. So let us consider our text this morning as we look at the 80. Psalm and, and its expression for longing to be in the presence of God. When you read through that song, my brothers and sisters, you will see that there is an intense focus on the benefits of seeking him, praying to him, and trusting in him. As we look at our text, we also realize that we as humans have a problem here. How many times have we fallen short of seeking him and, and praying to him and trusting in him? I know, I know, I know. We all say it depends on our circumstances. It depends on how dark and dismal we feel sometimes. That will allow us to determine how focused or lack of focus that we have on our God. How many times, how many times have we seen God as withholding from us what we think we need, deserve, should have at our disposal? How many times? Come on, we keeping it real. That's what, that's what Pastor Keith said. We keeping it real in here. Right. And so we ran across, we ran across a, a writing by Heather Riggleman. And she wrote this article that says, why does God withhold from his most faithful in the Bible? So she wrote, if God is faithful, why does he withhold from us? <laughs> she says that we blame God for withholding from us because we all have that one thing that we tell ourselves about God. Come on, come on. What, 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 what do we tell God? If only God would give me a more understanding boss, life would be great, wouldn't it? Amen. If only God would give me that husband or that wife that I've been searching for. Oh, maybe you got one. You just want him to give you a better one. Amen. Ooh, I, I, I'm going to keep moving. Ah, if only God would take away this illness and restore health in my body. If only, if only, if only. <laughs> Whatever our if onlys are. But this writer says that we are called to walk by faith, not by if only. Here, here is the crux of the matter with our problem with God. We love what God gives to us, but what do we give to God? What do we withhold or allow to be withheld from him? 
Oh, it's easy for us to say we give God our all. We can sing. We surrender all. But do we really give God our all? Do we withhold by not going that extra mile in the ministries of the living God, of the church of the living God? Do we, do, do, do we withhold our time and our talents and do we withhold our tithe money in our churches because somehow we believe that we won't uh, have enough? Do we withhold ourselves from seeing a need in the body of Christ and blessing someone else when we have an opportunity to do so? What do we withhold? But the song says that we sang I surrender all to you. Everything I give to you. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. How many of you can see that it can be a hard thing? To surrender our all unto God. To hold nothing back from him. But laying it all on the line. Handing out everything over to God. Yeah, yeah. We just might as well admit today that sometimes it's a hard thing to give it all to God. But our scripture tells us today what God gives to us. And maybe that'll help us have a roadmap to discover how we should give back unto God. Our first thing is that we're going to tell you is the scripture says it. God is our son and our sheep. In verse number 11. And that text is very plain as the nose on your face. You see, in the natural, we expect the sun to give us light as it has given us today. And we expect the sun to provide heat. Amen, somebody. The sun plays a role in helping to grow the plant so that we can get food from that source. Uh, the sun helps the trees to grow so they can provide food and they can provide wood for building and all kinds of other things that we can use wood for. The sun is a star. It illuminates, it invigorates, and it warms us up. I, I'm happy today to be able to see the sun coming through the sky because the last few days have been quite dreary. And, and when I am in those kinds of states where the dreariness lasts for a, a few days, it kind of gets in my spirit. Amen. And it kind of zaps my energy. And so I'm glad when I can see the sun that uh, peeks through and I feel like God is smiling on me once again. Oh, oh yes, oh yes, I, I like to see it shining brightly through the clouds. Uh, if we look at the sun church from a spiritual perspective, 
perspective, we will see it and say that God illuminates, uh, he invigorates, uh, and he is the one who can warm our very souls. Uh, and can I tell you like this, uh, even on those cloudy days, our God has a way of, of making us feel like he is there with us. Uh, you all know uh, back in the day, the temptation said, I've got sunshine. Yeah. Hallelujah. I think he was talking about a woman. How about you, Pastor yeah. Keith? On a cloudy day. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But but even, even on cloudy days, God can give us that sun that we need. He sustains us. In so many ways that we are often totally oblivious to. Some of the ways that God uh, will sustain us in life will go completely over our heads if we're not paying attention. Uh, and the word says that he is a shield. Pastor Keith, he's a son. He's a shield. But when we think of a shield, we got to know that a shield is something that's used to protect us. Uh, shields are used. Uh, you all know it in defense warfare. Whenever a war is going on, there's some kind of shield. Somebody has some kind of barrier. There's something between you and it. Whatever it is that was, that's threatening your life, that's threatening your existence, the shield that is used will really depend on the circumstances that you are in at the time. But I'm glad about it this morning that the Bible says that God is a shield. If we look at it in metaphorical language, the Bible says that the shield really is the protection of God. Oh, because somebody needs his protection this morning. Oh, when I read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, I can see that God teaches us about the armor of God. And can I tell you that in that armor is a shield? And that went, that went to protect the soldiers from hurt, harm, and danger. Well, how about us now? We are living in a day where we have an enemy that really is out to kill, to steal, and destroy. Can I tell somebody this morning, you need a shield. Oh, I, I know I'm talking to somebody. You see, that shield is God's covering over us. It is an expression that describes that spiritual protection and that nurture that God provides for all those who are in covenant relationship with him. If you have accepted Christ, you have a shield. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just needed somebody to know that. If you call him Lord, and Savior, if you know that he is your daddy, you have a shield. If you don't call him Lord, if you don't know him as your Savior, if you don't know him in the midnight hour, if you don't know him at all, you don't have a shield. As simple as that. It's the relationship with him that provides the shield. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Then we go on into that same verse, verse number 11, and, and it goes on to say that the Lord gives us grace and glory. Thank you're talking, what you're talking, Pastor. You see, you see, you see, we often will say in the church, if it had not been for the grace of God, where would I be? Ooh, 
Woo, my, 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 my. If we could fill in the blanks, we could be uh, really in a bad situation. We could really be between a rock and a hard place. We could really be between the devil and the deep blue sea. Uh, can I tell you all this morning, and I don't know if you realize this, but your spiritual journey begins with grace. Let me tell you. Let me tell you how I know. Because we are saved by grace. All right. Come on. Amen. We trust Jesus and we are saved by his grace. Paul tells us uh, that it's set up like that so that we don't boast about it. Because see, if we could save ourselves, we'd be telling it from the rooftop just how great we are and how wonderful we are and how we saved ourselves uh, and how nobody else could do it. Uh, but by the grace of God yeah, all right, all right. that no man should boast. So it starts with grace. Your spiritual journey begins with grace. But it ends in glory. Amen. Amen. Ah, you see, one day we will be in heaven yeah. and share the glory of the Lord forever. Yeah. Begins with grace, ends with glory. But what about the here and now, Pastor? I, I need to know about living here now. I, I don't plan to, to, to visit heaven anytime soon. I think I have some years ahead of me. I think I have a, a bright future, and I certainly believe that for you, and I pray that that is truly your your case. But, 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 but this life in the here and now can certainly have its share of challenges, amen? It, it's, it's share of difficulties, it's, it's share of hardships. I, I, I think I'm talking to somebody uh, who understands, uh, but can I tell you this? I want to encourage your heart this morning. I, I'm going to move on out of the way, but I want to encourage your heart. But First Peter 5 and 10 reminds us, it says, but after we have suffered a little while, Jesus. I'm not talking about 
in this world, in this world system, I'm talking about you got protection and security in God. And then can I tell you something else? Paul backs it up. Paul backs it up in Romans 8, 29 and 30. He says, uh, 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 he, he, he said, I'm going to let you all know that you've been chosen by God to be sons of God. Oh, come on now. Come on. You all got to get this. And because he has chosen and called you to come to him, that we have been given right standing with him. And because he has given us right standing, he's also given us his glory. We can't lose. We can't lose. Somebody need to know you can't. You can't lose. I don't know what it looks like. I know what it feels like. I know how hard it can be to lift up your head. But I came to tell somebody this morning to put your head back and say, I got grace and I got glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just wanted somebody to know that this morning. Now the text goes on to let us know that no good thing will God withhold from us when we live uprightly. And I don't want anybody in here to believe that that is saying when we live perfectly. Because none of us will live perfectly on this side of glory. Can I, can I put it like that for you? It says when we live uprightly. When you know right and you do right. The best that you can do right. Amen. Not that you are perfect. You see, the, 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 the psalmist has told us we got a sun. We got a shield. We got grace. We got glory. And then nothing good will he withhold from us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those sons of Korah were right on the money on that one. I'm glad they wrote that because every now and then I need to understand that God won't hold anything good from me. Uh -huh. Let me tell you something else. Ran into another article, another article by a lady named Benita Rendell Risner. All right, back in 2021, uh, uh, she was sitting and she was writing and she uh, uh, wrote uh, uh, an article that says, has God withheld good from me? Uh -huh. That's a very legitimate question. Uh huh. Uh, a lot of Christians may ask, uh, when, especially when they've gone through a difficult time or a difficult season, and, and and they feel like everything is happening good for other people, but but maybe not not for you so much. Uh, and so she says that even though God assures us that good things will all come to pass from Joshua 23 and 14. And yet there are many things that she had asked God for that she still ain't got. Yeah. What? Yeah. She wanted a healthy body. She wanted a thriving family. She wanted a balanced, secure life. But she said when her infant son died, and after her first husband left, or as she saw her own body slowing down, I wonder why God did not answer my prayer for the good things. Had I not been upright enough? Was I not asking the right way? Or were God's good things different from my good things? And I just want to let the church know that we all have our thoughts about what God gives us and yeah. 
What he doesn't, amen, somebody? Uh, but, but sometimes it's not that God is withholding good from us. Sometimes we don't have the faith to believe we deserve the blessing. Uh, sometimes we recycle our past sins uh, and our past mistakes uh, and, and all the old stuff to the point that we believe that God has passed us by. Well, we, we don't believe we deserve the blessing. And when we don't believe we deserve the blessing, we have to be careful that we don't ask him in doubt, in fear, or in disbelief. Come on, somebody. But we need to know that it might not be God, but it might be you standing in the way of your own blessing. Amen. Somebody. Amen. Somebody. You see, commentary teaches us something else. Because some people will read the text and, and they might think, well, well, I'm all right. I'm, I'm good. Right? Uh, 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 or or, or, or uh, I, I, I'm faithful. I go to church. I, I, I put money in the plate. I, I pray for an hour every day. I, I confess the word. And, and Lord knows I, I don't ever watch those, you know, them, them R-rated movies. I, I I don't watch that stuff. Compared to other people, I'm I, I really walking upright. And then there's another group, Pastor Keith, uh, uh, that says, well, 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 I, I'm not really upright. <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, um, I just keep doing the same sin over and over and over again. I just can't seem to get myself together on that. And they can't really receive anything good from God because they don't think they are right. Can I just tell you all, if the truth be told, since we're telling the truth this morning, both of these attitudes are wrong for the same reason. They focus on the individual's performance rather than on what Jesus can accomplish on their behalf. Somebody thinks they're good, somebody else thinks they're not. I just want to ask the question, do you have faith that God will withhold nothing good from you? Because it is your faith level that makes the difference. My fourth and final point. We better trust God. Oh, the psalmist wrote, Oh, Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. You see, in hardship, in hard and difficult moments, we must trust God to give us those good things that are aligned with his will and his way. Will some hard things in life seem unfair? Oh, yes. Will some hard things in life seem unfixable? Oh, yes. And will some hard things in life seem unfinishable? Yes, yes, and yes. Though these are the case often in our Christian walk, 
we can also see that God still will withhold nothing good from us. And he continues to provide for us, whether we realize it or not, we, whether we understand it or not, whether he uh, does it in a manner that we get it or it goes completely over our heads or not. The word teaches us when we have relationship with God, he will withhold nothing good from us. Some of us look at it as a chance of luck. And I came to tell somebody that in the Christian life, luck has not a thing to do with it at all. It has nothing to do with luck. God doesn't deal with luck. He doesn't do luck. He does blessings. And with those blessings that he gives us, he deals with us with grace and mercy. So our advice to the house this morning is surrender all to him. Withholding nothing. He's taught you. He says what he is to us in his word. Remember, church, God is our son and our shield, our sustainer and our protector. He is the one who takes us from grace to glory. What starts in grace, ah, will end in glory. And we won't have one without the other. That he doesn't withhold anything good from us when we walk uprightly. Not perfectly, but when we obey him and walk before him in faith. And the scripture says that there will be joy when we trust in our faithful God. Watch him begin to do some things in your life that will blow your mind. We know it. We've seen it. God is good. He withholds nothing from us as his children. I'm a living witness this morning that God didn't withhold his son Jesus from any of us. Because over 2,000 years ago, ah, his only begotten son Jesus landed on an old rugged cross withholding nothing from any of us. He shed his blood withholding nothing from any of us. He died, gave up the ghost, withholding nothing from any of us. But, 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 I'm so glad that that was how his story ended because my Bible teaches us that three days later he got up from the grave. And we are in that Lenten season now where we'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks. and every one of 